praise the Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's a prophetic word to all of us this morning is I'll still believe. You really need to get that down in your heart, in your mind, in your emotions this morning. Will you still believe? Because my message today is how long are you going to halt between two opinions? You know, and many times um, we think that, well, that's an Old Testament scripture and that's not, that's not important to us in the New Testament, but it is. Because how many times do we hear an opinion of, of a scripture or uh, a specific thing of the word and um, you question it or you think, well, maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, and you don't take the time to look it up and see what it really means. So uh, the Lord is saying to us, how long are we going to halt between two opinions? Why don't we get into the word and why don't we find out what the word says and why don't we still believe what the word is saying. <clears throat> In 1 Kings 18.21, Elijah said, How much longer will you try to have things both ways? If the Lord is God, worship him. But if Baal is God, worship him. The people did not say a word. Baal was an earthly god considered the supreme god and master of all the other worldly gods. The term halt in the new, or the King James, uh, or falter in the new King James, provides a literal picture of what Elijah means. <clears throat> it suggests a person staggering, unable to catch his balance, and failing to accomplish anything of any significance. So, in other words, if we have more than one God, or if we have two gods, who are we going to believe and whose opinion are we going to believe and when things get tough or tight, who are we going to serve? Which God are we going to go to? These people were wavering back and forth and the Bible shows in many places that the people continued to worship God and yet also served their idols. We can have idols in our life too. We can also serve those idols instead of serving the word of God or putting the word of God first in our life. It depends on where we are in our relationship with the Lord and what is our desire in serving him. Remember in Exodus 32, the people had Aaron mold a calf of gold and proclaim a feast to the Lord. In Elijah's word picture, because the mind has no definite focus, the body's efforts have no real direction. In other words, if we're not focused on one specific thing, our body's going to go in more than one direction. It's going to be over here. It's going to be over there. It's going to be back somewhere else. It's going to question this. It's going to question that uh, from our mind. So this sets up a situation where there is little accomplished and no forward move it, movement at all, but just staggering first this way, and then that way. And God wants us to either believe him or not believe him. The people of Israel in Joshua's day were serving God half-heartedly. <clears throat> Half-hearted service is insecure, insincere, and hypocritical. Sorry, my, <clears throat> my throat's a little 
cracky this morning. It lacks honesty and integrity. Okay, let's read that again. People of Israel in Joshua's day were were serving God half-heartedly. Half-hearted service is insecure and hypocritical. It lacks honesty and integrity. In other words, God is a jealous God, and he wants all of us or none of us. And we'll go through that a little later where he doesn't like us to be lukewarm. Our devotion to God must be authentic and transparent. True worship of the living God must come from our heart, not our head, from our heart. It can't be forced on us by rules and commands. It is rooted in genuine love. This verse really draws a line in the sand, does it not? You must choose this day whom you will serve. Therefore, Joshua made a radical public statement, I have chosen the Lord. Joshua had made a once-and-for-all choice, and he would continue to do so daily. In other words, every day that we get up, we have to choose. Do we follow God, or do we follow self or self-desires? So we choose God over and over again throughout our lives. Joshua's choice to serve God was personal, passionate, and permanent. He first made the once and for all choice to choose God above all things, and then every day he made the choice to choose him in every circumstance and every situation. So today, will you say like he did, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord? In Matthew 6:24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for he will hate the one and love the other. Now remember, the master he hates is still part of your mind, and it will cause many physical and spiritual problems. Anytime you have a hate in your mind or in your heart, uh, you're divided in, in who you're serving, and so therefore, when circumstances and situations comes up, it's going to cause problems, um, both physical and spiritual. So what about pretenders, those who say they are born again but living in secret sins? What about those who are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold? There is only one God, and for those of us that love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, there needs to be evidence of commitment and lasting transformation. So if we say we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and our commitment is, well, If I get there, I get there. If I do this, I do that. You know, I said I was coming, but you know what? I don't have to bother to call because what difference does it make if I'm not there? No, we have to make, when we make a commitment, when we give our word, we have to be men and women of our word. And people have to see a a transformation in and through us. Many Christians are fleshly and full of complaining, judgments, and criticizing. In Matthew 17, 17, it says, And Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long will you continue to be faithless? How long will you continue to remain unbelieving? How long will you continue to hear the word of God without any change? 
how long? When are we going to make a decision to actually make Jesus our Lord? You know, some people are born again, or they have made a commitment to the Father, but they have not made Jesus the Lord of their life. They think that, well, if I make a commitment, um, I'm not going to hell, so I'll be okay. But they really didn't make him Lord of their lives to put him first in everything they do and everything they say. And so they have all kinds of problems and issues in their life because he is not Lord. They're still trying to to leave self on the throne and let self have his way whenever they choose. So how long are we going to halt between two opinions? The opinion of self or self-desires or the opinion of the word? James 1, 6 through 8 says, When you ask for something, don't have any doubts. A person who has doubts is like a wave that is blown by the wind and tossed by the sea. In other words, you're, you're, you're not stable. A person who has doubts shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. A person who has doubts is thinking about two different things at the same time and can't make up his mind about anything. <clears throat> so it's like being double-minded. One day you think this, the next day you think something else. One day you choose this, the next day you choose something else. In other words, choose this day whom you're going to serve and choose this day right from wrong and follow that. In other words, don't waver back and forth at well, one day I want to walk in the, in the Word, and the next day, well, you know, I feel like doing this, I feel like doing that, I feel like going here, I feel like saying this, or I feel like saying that. Um, so you're not consistent in your commitment to nobody. You know, you're not really truly serving yourself all the time, and you're not truly serving the Lord either. And it is dangerous to waver or go back and forth being double-minded because we're not going to receive anything. You know, the self is not going to be satisfied and neither is the spiritual aspect of us because uh, one day we serve God and one day we don't. Our relationship with the Lord is personal. Are we committed to whom we believe? Are we putting him first place in all things? Are we being obedient to the word? If we are, what is he saying to you? If we are not serious about spiritual matters, we will not walk in the power of God to complete the plan he has for us. In other words, again, uh, faith is calling things as though it be not, as though it were. So if you're walking in faith, you can walk in expectation that the world doesn't see, know, or understand. But if you're not walking in faith, then you're wavering back and forth. One day you're believing in what the world says, the next day you're believing what the Word says. Remember, no matter where you are, if you believe it to be where you should be, no matter how miserable, unhappy, and negative you might be, you do not know who God is and who you are in Him. Because if you know who God is, you will know that you should serve him. You have been born again. You have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. He has taken away the old desires. 
and he has made everything new. Sin no longer has dominion over us. So we are not going to choose sin. We're going to choose life because that's what we now have received. If you are in this state, you are totally deceived by the God of this world and totally ignorant of the meaning of the life that you possess. In other words, did you receive life? Did you really get born again? Was the decision from your heart or was it from your head? If it was from your head, perhaps you're not in the kingdom because we, it has to be a heart choice. Now, according to the word, it is appointed once for all men to die, and therefore the word encourages us to live. We have been given new life in the spirit to live one day at a time. And why? Because we are not all-knowing, and we do not know what tomorrow will bring. But because, why don't we want to live in life? Why do we want to live in death? We lived in the death cycle before we came to Christ. And yes, there was pleasure in sin for a season. But we had many days where there was much darkness. There was much hurt. There was much trauma in our life. And we didn't like it. So the decisions that we make today are of great importance because they will bring either life or death in many areas. Faith, then, is needed to produce life. Therefore, we receive life by faith, and the power of the word will direct us on the way. So we cannot have true life in the spirit unless we're walking in faith, believing and trusting that even though we don't know, we don't understand, we can't see what the word says but if the word says it we choose to believe it we choose by faith to believe that if God says he'll never leave us or forsake us he will always be with us and so on and so forth uh, we can be more than conquerors the word says that out of the abundance of our heart our mouth will speak so therefore When we come into the kingdom, it has to be a heart change. We have to know that we know that we know that we want this new life. And we choose by an act of our will to walk in this new life, to walk in the power of the word, to walk in in the positive results of all the promises that God has given us and live, have life, have peace, have joy in Jesus' name. We cannot confess truth and error and expect to get positive results. The two do not mix, and of course, the power of faith is not present nor in action. So if we want to walk in faith, we have to continue to walk to, if we want to believe by faith, we have to continue to walk in faith. Whether we see it or not, we have to continue to say it. And that's why it's so important to imagine yourself in the word, in the promises, so that when things happen, you can imagine yourself on the other side. You can imagine yourself going through it or going around it or going over it or going, you know, underneath it. Whatever it is that you're going through, we can get to the other side because that's God's promises. Remember, all of God's promises are yea and amen. And it talks about that in 2 Corinthians 1.20. And I'm going to read this out of the, out of the message. 
whatever God has promised gets stamped with the yes of God. In other words, all his promises are yes. Now, if you're asking for something that's not in the word, perhaps it doesn't have a yes to it, and maybe it does have a yes to it. But all his promises have a yes to them. In him, this is what we preach and pray, the great amen. God's yes and our yes together glorious, gloriously evident. God confirms us, making us a sure thing in Christ, putting his yes within us. By his spirit, he has stamped us with his eternal pledge, a sure beginning of what he is destined to complete. So if he has promised us eternal life or life in eternity, and he has said in his word that that he would never leave us or forsake us, he will uh, be there for us, he will take care of us, he will walk with us. He gives us the Holy Spirit to lead, guide, and direct us. Don't you think we're going to make it to eternal life if we don't turn around and go the other direction? We are going to make it. And so by faith, even though we can't see it right now, we can look forward to living with him for eternity. And if we are in Christ, then so are we in the world. So if we are truly believing that we are in Christ, that he is in us, if we keep the word coming in and out of our mouth, then we can be as he was in the world. Again, truth and lies cannot come out of the same committed heart. So that's why we need to be so careful when we speak. Are we speaking what we see, which could be negative, which could be uh, unbelief, it could be not truth? Or are we speaking what the word says? Because we know that the word is truth. It is the only absolute truth that we have. Genesis 126, God says, Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image, after our likeness, and let them have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over all the earth, and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Now, God made man to have authority and dominion in the earth, and we have been given the privilege of having dominion over every living creature that moves. So we are special. We are created like him, to live like him, to talk like him, to act like him, and to be a blessing to anything and everything that lives in that that even includes the animals. We can be a blessing to the animals. How many people have uh, dogs and cats for, for pets? And, and they're a real blessing to us. So everything that God has created is, is for mankind. We are in his image, a speaking spirit, and we have the ability to speak his words to create. Now think of, think of this. Um, think of God and think of thinking of him as saying something negative or saying something that's not of truth. It doesn't even fit his character. And so this is how our character has to change, that we don't speak what we see because we're not to live by our senses. We're to live and walk by the spirit that lives and dwells within us. And I know this is one of the hardest things for a Christian to overcome is to not speak what you see because we 
We were, were born in sight. Um, the sin nature caused us to walk by sight. And uh, so the transformation of our mind seems to take a long time. And that's probably the last thing that leaves in, in our lives is the ability to say what the Word says and not say what we see. So we continue to work on that, and all of us are getting better and better at it as we continue to put the Word in so that the Word can come out of our mouth. So we rule and reign from heaven and have all power over the God of this world. We have to know that God has given us power and authority over the enemy and that he by by no means can attack us and and uh, defeat us if we are walking in the word and if we are not speaking what we see because it is what we speak that we see that gives him an open door to come in and uh, rob, steal, and destroy. He has appointed us to be kings and priests to accomplish and complete his plan for mankind. Now, do you see yourself as a king? You really need to imagine yourself as a king because in the kingdom we are kings and priests. We have king status in the world. So when something comes up against you in the world, think, well, I'm a king. I don't have to put up with that. I can call upon my my angels to help me. I can call upon the word of God and I can speak that out. And that's that's going to help me get through whatever I need to, to get or whatever I need. So you need to see yourself as a king. And then you need to see yourself as a priest, that you're able to pray and, and to intercede for others and, and uh, see that many are blessed because of our position in the kingdom. If we continue to see ourselves as the old man, Uh, then we're not going to do what God has called us to do because we won't have the power and the authority because we see ourselves lower than what we really are. So again, what makes man halt between two opinions? It's our choice. In the beginning, Adam and Eve was given the choice to obey the will of God or disobey to satisfy the lust of the flesh and receive and experience all worldly opportunities in life. You know, even though we come into the kingdom and we're born again, we're a new creation, the flesh still likes to rise up and choose its way, do its thing, and have its fun, and so on and so forth. But we have to, as it says in Romans, we have to offer our bodies a living sacrifice so that our bodies are not trying to rule and reign in any way, shape, or form. This disobedience, of course, opened the door for sin to enter in, and man's sin became separated from God. Now we're talking about the sin of Adam and Eve. Uh, They walked and they talked with God. They were like God. Adam named all the animals. And we find out that, that what he named them is actually what they are. So he was like God, but he was given a a choice to choose not to eat of the tree in the center of the garden. The sin nature darkened our mind and hearts, and we became selfish, self-centered, and self-willed. What happened to Adam after he sinned? 
he hid from God. He ran and he hid from God. He didn't. He knew he did something wrong. And it will darken our minds and hearts, and we will again become selfish and self-centered. Or, or we can excuse ourselves by saying, well, I feel like doing this today. I'm going to go ahead and do that. I'll spend time in the Word tomorrow, or I'll spend time, uh, I'll pray tomorrow. Um, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. There's sometimes things come up with the family or other situations with other people where you can't spend the time in the Word but I'm talking about uh, fleshly things that, that could wait or don't necessarily need to be done that specific day. We were aware that we were in the world alone and we were living solely by our connection to all physical things. So we walked by what we saw, what we heard, what we touched, what we felt, what we wanted, and our only response became the mission of taking care of self. We were self-centered, self-willed, and selfish. Our minds were trapped in the consciousness of the sin nature. All we thought about was pleasure for ourselves. And, and we have seen that throughout the ages um, those that are living in these end times, they are so self-centered and so selfish. Um, it's almost unreal what they go through to, to, uh, to pamper themselves or to have what they want. I mean, they're, they're willing to rob, steal, and kill and destroy just like the devil. So our only thoughts and concerns became our personal profit or pleasure that was in the world. And the sin nature left out all genuine consideration for others, um, meaning that uh, our total concern was not someone else. Now, I know we have concern about our family, and specifically if you were raised in a family that um, that had God in it or if you were raised in a family that really truly believed in right and wrong, even though they may not have been born again, uh, you still had some um, some bringing up and some teaching about helping others, being nice to others, being good to others. And so I'm not saying that um, every person, you know, did not think about other people, but the majority of us, when push come to shove, it would be a choice of self. So man was in a very difficult place because he wasn't able to reach God. The father's plan was to intervene in man's dilemma by sending his son Jesus to pay the ransom for sin so that we would again be united and able to communicate with the creator one-on-one. Thank God for Jesus. Isn't it awesome that we individually, each individually have a personal relationship and we can each individually communicate with him. The God of the universe, the God that created everything. We can talk with him. We can walk with him. Um, he's, he'll never leave us or forsake us. And he says we can call upon him and he'll answer us. So um, it is absolutely awesome what Jesus came and did. And this is where the people are in the world today. They're looking for someone or something. They're not sure what. 
But they're looking for someone or something to take away the guilt, the shame, and the weight of sin and connect them to peace and joy. They don't even always know that it's the sin that that needs to be removed. But they're wanting something that will give them a peace of mind. And that's why they turn to the drugs and the alcohol and, and the other perversions uh, in the world. It's because it gives them pleasure for a season. And that's what the scripture says. There's pleasure in sin for a season. But then, you know, that season is going to be gone and you're going to be right back to where you were. But we have the answer, the gospel. And that's why God has called us out of darkness so that we can share with others the gospel, the truth that Jesus came and paid the penalty for our sins and that there is a way to be relieved of this in nature totally and completely and live a life for God. So now the struggle with reconciliation is that once we hear and receive the truth, there is a major change that takes place within us. We don't always know the change and and, some, and it's not complete. So we, uh, we we kind of vacillate back and forth in doing the right and, and then doing wrong and then having to repent of the sin. But praise God as we continue to put the word in, the word will finally uh, bring us to the place where we don't have to sin any longer in those particular areas. So Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall not any longer exert dominion over you since, Now you are not under the law, its slaves, but under grace, as subjects of God's favor and mercy. We are no longer under the law where you can't do this, you can't do that, or you got to do this, or you got to do that. And if you don't do that, well, uh, you know, then you're not going to make it to heaven. We are now under God's grace where he says, I have made you a new creation. I have put myself within you. I have given you the word, which is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. And I am with you always. And even if you make a mistake, even if you sin, I am your heavenly father. You can come to me and you can ask forgiveness of that sin. And my grace will cover it. And I will take you right back into my arms and love you and hold you. And I will walk with you. And that is absolutely awesome. So if we sin, if we miss the mark, if we fail in some area, and we will continue to do that because we're not perfect, we have a father that picks us up, dusts us off, and says, it's okay. It's okay. Come on. You know, just like we do our kids. They fall down. They get an owl. You pick them up and you say, oh, it's okay. It's okay. Let's go go get a Band-Aid. You put a Band-Aid on it and they're all better. And that's kind of what God does to us. He tells us, it's okay, get up, get into my word, let the word fill your mind with what I'm telling you and how I'm showing you you can overcome this. And guess what? You're going to make it. In Second Corinthians 5.17, it says that the old things of man have passed away and all things are now new. I mean, even though they've all passed away and they're now new, Our mind still remembers things of our past life and we still want to walk according to the past life because it's what we grew up with, it's what we learned, it's what we know and understand. And so that's why the process in the kingdom uh, doesn't happen overnight. It's a a 
walk with God daily so that he can change us, deliver us, and heal us of the past life and become new in Christ Jesus. However, our hearts, minds, understanding, and wisdom has been contaminated by the darkness of sin, so it needs to be renewed and changed to match the new desires we now have within. And this is one of the biggest errors, I think, in the body of Christ, is that they do not take the time and the effort needed to renew their minds. Because if we don't renew our mind with the word, our old nature mind is going to come out and say what we know, what we understand, what we live through, and we won't have the faith to walk in the truth and to walk in the real life in Christ. You can't just come to church on Sunday and spend an hour listening to the Word and then not be in the Word the rest of the week. That's not enough time for you to be able to change your mind. It's a, it's a daily commitment where, where we need to get into the Word. We need to read it. We need to pray. We need to meditate on it. We need to study it so that we're hearing the Word daily. Now, you take our lives. We go to work. A lot of us work between 8 and 12 hours nowadays. And what are you hearing at work? Most of the time, you're hearing the negative of the world. So if you come home and you don't get into the Word, or if you haven't been in the Word before work, guess what? You're going to repeat and say and think what you heard all day. And then you're going to get up the next day and you're going to go through the same process. So by just having the word one day a week is not going to sustain you and to help you get a renewed mind. I often say that uh, we need to spend 10% of our time in the word. Now that's not scriptural. But I think if we would spend that much time in prayer and in study and in prayer, in in the word, it would help us a lot. And even though uh, 10% is two hours and what, 40 minutes? Two hours and, well, whatever it is. It, it, you know, that would help us because we're putting the word, we're putting the truth in, we're putting the truth in, we're putting the positive in. We're, we're sometimes speaking it out or we're saying it or we're, we go to our spouse or go to a friend and say, look what I read. Look what this says. Uh, we can do this, you know. This is our faith that works because faith comes by, the, by hearing and hearing by the word. And so this is the reason that we are to meditate day and night on the word because if you're not putting the word in, what's going in? Junk. And when it, what's coming out? Junk. You have to put the word in so the word comes out of your mouth. However, our hearts, minds, understanding, and wisdom has been contaminated by the darkness of sin, so we need to renew and change and match our new desires we now have within. In other words, when we first got saved, I didn't even want to go to work. I was so excited about the things of the Spirit. I thought, this is, this is a waste of time to go to work. You know, I need to... Be in the Word. I need to be praying. I need to be studying. (laughs) Because I was so excited about what had happened to me. But I soon realized that, you know, the Bible also says you don't work, you don't eat. So you got to work and you got to function in the world because we are in the world. 
And so um, this is the reason that we have to stay in the Word. We begin our journey replacing wrong information and laws of wrong action with the truth and the power of the Word of God. In other words, we begin to see when we read, okay, you can't get angry and, and not repent of it because you're not supposed to be angry and, and uh, you know, go to bed angry. Uh, you shouldn't be yelling and screaming at people because that's not the nature of God. And we see many things in the Word that, that's a mirror to us, and, and we look in our life and we think, oh, well, I do that. I guess I shouldn't do that. But if you're not looking into the mirror to see what you're supposed to be doing, you just keep doing what you knew to do from the old man. Because Jesus is the spirit of truth and his word is truth, the ever-present truth coming into our thoughts and minds will change and rearrange our attitudes. You know, we can look at our own life and see where we've come from. And I think we need to do that every once in a while. Look where I have come from. Look who I was when I got born again. Oh, my Lord, I thank God every day that he's brought me from that mess and he's made me something new. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, powerful enough to cut right through the outer, hard, tough part of a bone, to the inner soft living part of the marrow as it judges the thoughts and the purposes of our heart. I just love that version because it says it's powerful enough to cut right through a bone. And we know in the natural what kind of saw it takes to cut through a bone or, or what type of saw it takes uh, you know, to cut something that's really tough. And so the Word of God is that powerful. Now, can we imagine? That's power. And all it is is just speaking the Word. Our heart or will is where we make all our choices, so we must begin by interpreting life through the lens of God's Word and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit rather than through the lens of our experience, our trauma, our pain, or the opinions of others. Now, how many times do we interpret our life through our experiences, through our traumas, pain, and something else? Now, it's okay to share testimony of of your experiences, what you've gone through, and how God has brought you out of them, because that helps others. But we ourselves don't want to see our lives through our past and, and through uh, the times when we walked in darkness. So renewing our mind with the truth of the word aligns our mind and understanding with spiritual laws and the power of the spoken word, which has the power to create whatever we or others have need of. It's, not, it's just not for a selfish personal need, it's for others also. We have the power to pray and believe with others for their needs to be met, for them to be healed, for them to be financially blessed. Whatever they have need of, we can put our faith together and agree with them for the blessings of the Lord. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God 
and take every thought captive to obey Christ. And this is what we have to do. We take a thought captive literally means to capture and conquer the thought as you identify it and compare it to God's word. How many times during the day uh, something happens and you're about to speak something and the Holy Spirit uh, arrests you and says, I don't think you should say that. Or, you know, maybe that's something you shouldn't say. Or uh, we hear things in in the uh, in the day of work and and they're not um, pleasurable or they're not encouraging and we need to take that thought immediately and cast it out because a lot of these thoughts from people Satan wants you to take them personal and if you take them personal they can come in and they can wound you they can hurt you they can cause you to rise up and be angry they can cause you to rise up and defend yourself or blame somebody else. And so we need to take these negative thoughts captive immediately and compare them with the Word of God. Okay, I always say, okay, now would Jesus do this or would Jesus receive this? No, because he knows who he is. And he wouldn't say this because that's not his character. So then you just close your mouth. 2 Peter 1, 3, and 4 says his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. Okay, our divine power has given us everything. Okay, what don't you get about that? We need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So in order to receive the divine power that gives us everything, we have to have knowledge of him. If we don't know who he is, how can you receive his blessings? So knowledge is important. Give us the knowledge and the understanding of the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom. You have to ask in order to receive. It says knock, ask, seek, knock, and ask, and you can receive. Well, if we're not seeking, knocking, and asking when we're studying or we're reading the word, you're not going to receive. And God will answer every question that you ask him. But you have to listen. He may answer it through the word, he may answer it through somebody else. He may answer it through uh, the still small voice. There's all kinds of ways that God can answer you, and not necessarily immediately, but if you continue to knock about the answer, you will eventually get the answer to what you've asked him, because sometimes he can't tell you because you're not in a place where you can receive it. Either not mature enough, or uh, maybe that's ahead of God's uh, timeline for you in the plan and purpose that he has for you. But be assured, if we walk in faith, he will answer your questions. And sometimes uh, I've had questions about the word that it's been years later when I actually got the revelation of it. But, you know, I never gave up. I kept going back to him and saying, Lord, I don't understand 
what this is saying in the word. I, I need, I want to understand how this can help me or how this can affect me. And I just keep going back every now and then and saying, okay, what about this, Lord? And I never give up hope that he's going to answer me. And when he does, it's like, oh, my gosh, that is absolutely awesome. And if you would have told me when I asked it, I would not have understood what you said. And so he knows. He knows everything. Now, through these, he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Now that you have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Let's go back and read that again. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Through them, if you don't know them, you can't become a partaker of the divine nature completely and totally because you don't know the magnificent promises. So now what don't you understand about that statement? Now if you if you really made Jesus Lord of your life, you will understand that there is something that you have to do. In other words, you have to seek him. You have to get to know him and his word and then walk accordingly. Now, if you have not made him Lord of his life, then you will say, well, okay, so he's got promises out there, but, you know, I want to go here or I want to go there. I want to do something else. So you're not committed. You're not totally committed. It's through God's precious promises that we participate in the divine nature. They're all there. They're given to all of us. But are we participating in them? Are we asking, knocking, and seeking? Are we wanting to walk in the power of the Spirit? You know, if not for yourself, how about somebody else? When somebody else has a need, what about helping them? Renewing our mind is not just a spiritual process, but a psychological one as well. When we intentionally change the way we think to align with God's word, it literally creates new connections and pathways in our brain to make that process easier and more preferred over time. So we know that the positive or the truth will always trump darkness and make it to come into the light. So it will make the process easier and more preferred over time. So the more we put the word in, the more it's going to come out. The more you put the word in, the more the word's going to come out. So this process, our brain can literally be configured to align with the truth of God's word and thus create the solution Solutions, the, tra- the strateg- strategies and opportunities that best align with God's plan for our life. So when we put the word in, when we believe and trust in the word, 
we can change uh, different strategies, we can change uh, different issues in our life and have different opportunities that will amaze you because you are walking in another realm and you have a different understanding, you have different knowledge because of the Spirit. Remember in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. So if you're thinking the word and you're speaking the word, you will be the word. You will be like the word. Our thoughts, which ultimately create our best results in our actions, literally create the boundaries of our life. So we want our thoughts, our meditations, our imaginations to set the boundaries for our lives. So Jesus promised you must learn intentionally and on purpose to renew your mind. Intentionally and on purpose. I mean, so many times uh, the people come into the kingdom and you talk about uh, renewing the mind and they're looking at you like, what are you talking about? And even if they read the scripture, they're saying, what are you talking about? Renew the mind? In other words, they're, they're totally uh, oblivious to what it's saying because, of course, first of all, they're brand new babies in, in, in the kingdom and they don't have any uh, spiritual sense, really. But if they will stop and think that if in the world we learn the world's words, the world's ways, and we function by the world's words, then if we're in another kingdom, if we're a new creation, then we will also have to learn the, the words from the new world or new kingdom we live in in order to walk in the new kingdom ways. So what about renewing our mind? We have to intentionally capture each thought that comes into our minds and compare it to God's word and his promises for our life. We have to replace if the thoughts that you're having don't agree with God's word, then replace them with promises from God's word. Remember, thoughts are like seeds, and whatever you allow to be planted in the garden of your heart will bring forth a harvest in your life. Remember, the parable of the sower of the seeds, what kind of ground is the word going into? Therefore, choose the best seeds wisely. Then we have to reinforce or we can say strengthen our thoughts by every time uh, we are flooded with wrong thoughts that don't agree with God's best for your life. You simply reject and replace them with God's word. We we should write them down. Post scriptures in places that you see often like your office wall, your desk, your car, or even your bathroom mirror. Remember, We are changed by repetition. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. So faith comes by hearing the word. Change comes by hearing the word because the more you hear the word, the more you're going to speak the word. And the more you speak the word, the more power you have to change and the more you're going to change because the word is alive. It is light. We need to hear the word over and over again and again until it drops down to our heart to become a reality so that when we speak, we will speak the truth of God's word. To Peter 3, 8, 
Don't overlook the obvious here, friends. With God, one day is as good as a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. I think that's awesome. He gives everyone space and time to change. So even those that are coming into the kingdom in these last days, he's still giving them space and time to change, and he will also speed up their ability to be able to receive the truth and the revelation of the word if need be. That's how often he is. So as I close, Joshua 24:15 says, you must choose for yourself today. Today you must decide who you will serve. Today you will say like he did, Joshua, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can we say that? But do we really mean it? And are we really walking in what we say or is it just a mental statement where we say, well, yeah, I'm born again. Um, I'm choosing today to serve the Lord. But is there change in your life? Are you more like Jesus? Are you walking in the power and the authority? Or are you going back to your old opinion and your own desires and selfishness and saying, well, well, that's, I'll do that tomorrow. That's why Joshua says, um, choose today who you're going to sue. Don't halt between two opinions. Have one opinion and then walk with it. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is truth. We thank you that your word is life and light. And as we digest it, as we receive it, as we walk in it, as we speak it, we can live the kingdom life down here on earth, and we can accomplish the plan and the purpose that you have for us. So, Father, speak to the hearts and minds of all of your people, wherever they are in the spirit, whatever decision they made, whatever commitment they made, that they would be serious about what they have chosen to do, and that from today on they will choose to walk in the power and authority of your word and to walk in the character and the blessings that you have provided for us so that we can be an example to those in the world who are still in darkness and who need a Savior. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.